my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Grassroots, the only podcast focused solely on women's rugby within the club game. This is the recording of a panel discussion with the amazing Rocky Clark, Ireland international and Gloucester heartbeat prop Catherine Buggy, prop Instagrammer and pioneer of the game Gemma Norton, aka the Prop Life, and the rising star of refereeing Fiona Brunt. In this wide-ranging discussion hosted by Molly, we discuss body image, the joys of grassroots rugby, women's fit kits and shower etiquette, and we generally celebrate the women's game in all of its forms. This recording was taken from the second grassroots festival at Avonmouth Clare's Rugby Club down in Bristol. 22 months out with a triple B operation. She runs in, tries for fun. I'm Goose. I'm Lou. I'm Molly. I'm Joyce. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Let me hear me say a whale. Whale! <laughs> it works. Is that Wales? Or Wales? Wales. Are Wales? Yeah. We're close to Wales for my liking here. <laughs> Guys, good afternoon and welcome to the second Grassroots Festival. I'd like to say there'd be a third, but this has nearly killed me this one, to be honest. So. But really great to see you all. So those of you that are familiar with the podcast, that myself, Lucy, Molly, Sherry, Lou, or otherwise known as Molly. Who else is in the room? Oh, Jodie. Where's Jodie? We can't forget Jodie at the back there. We started the podcast a couple of years ago, and the aim was to bring the reality of grassroots women's rugby to the masses. And while we haven't quite achieved the masses yet, we've certainly managed to secure a few listeners that quite like to sort of see what it's really like in the grassroots trenches. And we had this crazy idea. In fact, it was Fiona's idea. Thanks, Fiona, for ruining my life for the last two years. We had this idea that we wouldn't be great to actually build a team of random people that can come along and put on a shirt, play in a little tournament. And we tried it down in Exeter last year and it was great fun. We had a really, really good day. Uh, met some amazing people, some of whom have come back to, to see us again today, which has been really lovely. Part of the, the session last year is we had Victoria Rush and who else was there last year? Steph Evans, yeah. Actually um, remember the from, sledge, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Seems a long time ago. They came along and talked to us, and without putting too fine a point on it afterwards, we were all in a massive come down because we met rugby people that care about the game the way we do, and we met people that play rugby the way we do. You know, so we're not about protein shakes, or some of you, I'm sure, but I, I certainly wasn't and will never be. About you know rugby as a community, you know, playing with people who are from different walks of life, people who you wouldn't otherwise meet in any other setting other than a rugby club, and to bring all those people together and turn it into a team to share the joy of the game with other teams for us was really quite fantastic. So thanks for the idea, Fiona. You know, she's deliberately broken her foot this time so she doesn't have to referee. But I'm going to pass over to Molly now. So, you know, thank you so much for coming. We absolutely appreciate it. So, you know, let's give ourselves a round of applause for making the effort today. So today we've got Catherine Buggy from Gloucester, Gloucester Hartbury, and, I- and-, and Ireland as well, an international. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> <We've got laughs> Absolutely. We've got Gemma, who's otherwise known as Prop Life. Who's, it's fair to say one of the best Instagrammers out there for the women's Don't game. Don't tell Hannah that. Apart from Hannah, lesbian mum. We've got her. <laughs> a bit of a niche audience, to be fair. Some of you are probably here today. But Hannah's like, yeah, been a big part of our club as well as uh, on Instagram. But thanks for coming today, Gemma. We came along last year. This time we thought we'd actually get you involved. And this person here, I'm not quite sure who she is. Never met her before, never seen her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rocky Clark, I mean, legend of the game, you know. Um, 
But apart from bringing what is frankly rugby royalty to Avonmouth, the thing that I really wanted to, to see with, with Rocky here is the grassroots journey because, Rocky, you know, you've been very pro the grassroots game, you've been very involved in the grassroots game all your playing life and continue to do so even with the silverware, the honours from the Queen or King or whoever it was. So to have you to come to places like this and tell us about your journey is massively important to us. And Fiona's been on the, the rugby hotline recently for the law changes around tackle heights and things like that. So she's, that's why her foot's bad. She's been kicking doors and things in frustration. But no, Fiona's a, a female referee, real trailblazer of the game and good friend of the pod as well. So great panel for us today. And Molly, who, well, well I'll let Molly introduce herself, but previous Intergalactic Women's Pro of the Year. <laughs> Crew and Switch captain. Ex. Ex-Crew and Switch captain. Sacked yes. for misconduct last year. Mm. Yeah. Um, what else have you done? Captain North of England. Mm-hmm. North of England, yeah. Played Premiership for... Waterloo. Waterloo. And then they folded. Then they folded. <laughs> yeah. Second best number eight in her household as well. Yeah. yeah. But, but, and also, you know, we're a big part of our podcast. So I'll pass over to Molly now, who's going to chair the panel. And uh, yeah, here we go. Thank you very much. You said we were starting with Rocky. Like, I feel that was favouritism. Thank you so much for coming. I am not a professional. I will swear, so I apologise, kids in the room. I'll try and keep my language to the minimum, but that is a strong part of uh, our podcast. And I think Matt nailed it on the head. We're about the grassroots game, getting everyone involved, either refereeing, supporting, having that rugby community, and that's what grassroots rugby is about. So, you know, as much as I love all the celebrities and they'll kind of vouch for this, they started at grassroots and that's where the game is made and where we have these massive bonds. So to start with, I want to know about everyone's grassroots journey. So we're going to start with Catherine. Tell us about how you got into rugby and how it started. Well, I actually started when I was like 22 in Shannon RC back in Limerick. So it was only because back home it's very much Gaelic football and camogie, which is a, if you've ever seen it, it's like hurling. Big stick, small ball, whack it really far. Um, but that's basically what we were brought up on. So I went out to a club. I was helping out on a placement for my uni course. And they were like, oh, we have a women's site. Would you be interested maybe go to a training session? And I went out and honestly, I haven't looked back since. But I remember just coming onto this mucky, mucky pitch. There was one light, floodlight above it to train in and... Yeah, absolutely loved it. And to be honest, some of my best mates are from that. So that's where I started. And then just since then, being there, being New Zealand, Australia, and then to England. Um, so that's just like the way that. I've, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like that, yeah. yeah. So, God, that's going back a while as well, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's been my journey really, yeah, to get to where I've been now. So, yeah. Amazing. Is there any points in the game where you've thought, I've really missed my stick to whack a few people? Like, they're really, you know, they're quite an annoying opposition. Is there any times you thought, yeah, let's get the, uh, the stick out? I'm not sure. It's called the bottom of a rock. You just uh, stick a... <laughs> I mean, Fia, I'd never do that. I would, yeah, no, never do that. Would, th- would that be a red card offence? Yeah, okay. Just, just checking. Yeah, but what you don't see doesn't happen, you know? So Yeah, it's yeah. Under the radar. Um, <laughs> and obviously you talked about going down to a club. Like, what was the atmosphere like at that grassroots level? We enjoyed our Sunday nights after a game and not so much the Monday mornings. So, yeah, that was what it was like. It was, it was great crack, like, on the bus. I've made friends for life there. Like, you know, um, and that's what it's about. It's those bonds you make from... You train, but you also 
you know, make sure you have a good time as well because that's what keeps keeps training, knowing that you're excited to go uh, to see your friends and that. So that's what kept me going anyway. It was just different from anything else I've experienced. Like I used to play hockey for years as well. And it was just so, like the people involved in rugby are just so much different in the best way possible. And I think we can all agree yeah. in this room, like rugby is just a completely different atmosphere to anywhere else. And you probably meet people that you would never meet in normal walks of life. And you become this dysfunctional family. It's just a great bond. And that's why we all love this sport. Gem, obviously slightly different journey into rugby. How did kind of the grassroots game pull you in? Yeah, mine's been slightly less worldwide and more local to Devon. But <laughs> So I basically found rugby age 19. I knew my first coach. Every time I saw him for six months, he would say, come and try it, you'll love it, come and try it. And I said, I'll do one session to humour you. I'll be terrible. We'll all shut up and go about our day afterwards. And I came down and I finally found a sport that I where my size and my build was not just an advantage in some instances but actually promoted and glorified and finally given some like validation yeah. yeah like a lot of the girls in this room who probably grew up a little bit taller and a little bit broader you get really invalidated for that growing up when stick thin is the mold in a lot of ways and I'm so glad our culture is on the change and I feel a very positive change coming around now but um so yeah I started off at Withicombe RFC down on the coast in Exmouth Went away and played up at Windsor for the Windsor Dames for part of my season. Had a big Abbey Dow level leg injury. Came back and played at Topsham and then decided to progress to Clumpton where I played Champs 2 now. And you, like you're saying, like you meet the most incredible people. You meet an absolutely insane bunch. And I mean that in all senses <laughs> <laughs> of people. I think when I found particularly grassroots rugby, I really felt like I'd found my tribe. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then Rocky, obviously... Most capped England prop now because um, Sunter may have taken the edge. I was talking about this before. Do you think she did it just to get that one up, or do you reckon it was because she got to play in front of her home crowd? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> you know, there's only so many times you can get the uh, voodoo doll out. But, um, <laughs> no, seriously, like if somebody's going to take it, it was beautiful to have for five years or so. I had the uh, the record, but. Yeah, like, Sinta's one of my uh, good mates, and she, I remember her getting her first cap, actually, and she can't drink very well. I took her <laughs> under my uh, wing, and we went drink for drink, and she didn't make the end of the night, so <laughs> I've got many a good stories about her that I probably shouldn't share just yet. But um, she's a wonderful person, and, and for her to go out on her terms and, yeah, play in front of her home crowd was was massive for her and yeah I think in the in the back of her mind she had the you know wants to go for the record and that that's fab and, and with the disappointment of the World Cup that's a great thing for her to go out on and you know an incredible leader and person yeah take my hat off to her and she's doing great things for the game whether it's grassroots or elite rugby for sure and yeah I'm just pleased that I have the opportunity to to coach grassroots to hang out with grassroots to play grassroots and um, and just just be involved because I just value so much where you come from and how important everybody sat to the left, to the right, in front of you and behind you is is to your to your life. It's your family. You talked about it as a dysfunctional family and like it's a bunch of misfits. <laughs> I remember being 16, getting me head kicked in, playing against women in their mid-30s, giving me a load of jip about my scrummaging and then I'd be sat next to a doctor or a vet uh, having my dinner and a pint. It was great. I was like, <laughs> let's crack on. So yeah, best, best times and 
I remember playing um, at Henley and we got promoted through the ranks and went up to Prem and then got our heads kicked in 100 nil. And I loved it. I was like, it doesn't matter. Just, I'm there with my team. It doesn't matter you know, who I'm playing alongside. It's, it's my team. And, and just one funny anecdote. I've, so I played for Saris for a few years. And my favourite game, apart from winning the World Cup, obviously, that's best day of my life. Blah, blah, drop blah. that in there. Yeah, drop yeah. that in there. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll bore you all later about it. Um, we was playing against Saracens, and if you, did, if you weren't Saracens, everyone hated Saracens, and still do. And uh, I remember we played them, and we had six props in the pack. My job was to play number eight. Didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I knew we had a good scrum. And, uh, and we won the game 5-0, and I scored the try. I had Nolly Waterman at nine, and she just kept passing it to me, and I nearly had a heart attack, but it was, um, <laughs> it was the best game. So, yeah, very, very cool. And you talked about, before we go to Fiona, because we're going to get a, little, a bit of a different angle, so ref and grassroots. You talked about, obviously, coaching the grassroots game now, and everyone knows about your history of how you kind of made it to the, the top. But in terms of coaching grassroots now how do you think the international game and playing for saracens has helped you to be able to go back and coach to the grassroots level i always coach coached at chesham uh, men's and women's team for about 10 years 2010 to around about 20-ish and and that was majorly grassroots and what i did was i i went in with some of the training that i had done and then realised, right, I can't do this. <laughs> and when I thought that it would go in after one session, we then did it for six weeks and we were amazing at it. But it was, uh, it was a steep learning curve to actually break it down. But everyone's um, values and, and qualities that they bring are really celebrated. And I, I love when I've coached somebody, whether it's the first time they've picked up a rugby ball or if it's some, somebody with 100 caps, that they've learnt something from me. And then you just see them like execute it and then they might have a little look to see if you're watching and that like that's really cool and I like I want to see people inspired and happy with themselves and and just to you know celebrate how good they are it doesn't matter what level yeah perfect and um I think you know especially the girls from crew will relate to this I am at my tether's end in terms of I'm the forwards coach now and we've probably done pods for the last nine years and every season we come back to the first training session and it's all gone out the window and you have to do pods for the next nine or 12 sessions and then you'll do that continuously for the next nine years. But it is that jackpot moment when someone goes, oh, I've just run a, a tip on, this is amazing. And they look at you and they go, whoa, I did it. Yeah. And then we go back to forgetting how to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's, that, it's that jackpot moment. So Fiona, we're gonna kind of flip it on its head now. You obviously ref some really high level games, yeah? A few. I saw you at the uh, Commonwealth Games, I believe. I wasn't in the middle for that, but yeah. No, but you managed to get the flag, you know? No, no, no. I was on the sideline with, a, with my nice little um, paperwork. That's still, that's still pretty good, you know? Reffing the grassroots game, what do you enjoy about it? For me, what I've always enjoyed about grassroots is uh, the challenge of dealing with players of differing abilities. So the Sherry's of the world? <laughs> I was, I was going to mention it, but okay, you know. You know. <laughs> She's over there. I can see her. She's eyeballing me. Uh, it's seeing women coming in who've never played before up against someone who quite clearly has been playing for 10 years and knows all of the dirty tricks. And as a referee, you've got five, 10 minutes at the start to try and figure out who knows what they're doing when they're cheating and who is cheating by accident. And yeah, sure. Um, and, and obviously trying to treat them equally, equally but not in the same way. 
So I've refereed at Drybrook, where Kerry Large is the 10, right? (laughs) And the first time I refereed there, I was like, she definitely knows that's illegal. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) Kerry, come here. I know you know what you're doing and you know I know what you're doing, so maybe let's not do it. <laughs> She's like, all right, got it. But you're, you're there trying to figure that out so that you don't... I had a, a lesson that I had to learn last year and I went and did a, a grassroots game after a run of being on the line in the women's premiership. My eye wasn't into the grassroots game and this poor girl, who I think it was her second game, didn't release the ball, so I penalised her for not releasing the ball and then she wouldn't give the ball up so I, I marched it. a 10 and I nearly went to my pocket and the coach at halftime was like oh she's really sorry she just didn't really understand what she was doing and I felt awful because I was like she you know I've treated it like she's doing it deliberately and you did that in the prem and you'd be off for 10 minutes and I just hadn't got my eye in yet so it was a really sobering moment for me as a referee going do you know what I came in here thinking I'll be able to do this this is fine you know I'm very comfortable with this. And there were still things that I was getting wrong because I wasn't used to doing it. It is a different game. And that's what I love about it. I refereed a grassroots team. It was their fourth game as a team um, and they hadn't scored a try. And uh, I had a a touch judge, this brilliant attacking press. And they were only about five meters short of the line. And he put his flag up and I literally went, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. Not today. And he was like, flag down and they scored a try I got a load of jip from the opposition oh his flag flag was up his flag was up I was like no no they definitely weren't in touch they 100% were in touch but the joy of them scoring their first ever try as a team I was like I'd rather give this try than be correct in law and I'll take the crap and the bar afterwards yeah Yeah. the abuse it's fine yeah fair because I went on a reference course recently and I'm very competitive as you know Um, Fiona's probably (laughs) going to red card me from the sideline today because I've never had a card so I'm waiting for that thanks Fiona like I learned on the reffing course that will it be you that reds cards me Oh, Jesus. Um, but I learned... I, I prepped them all. <laughs> I learned that it's about the enjoyment of the game sometimes rather than actually playing to the laws, and that was a massive learning curve for me because I'd normally be like, you're offside, you're this, and I, I've learned to adapt my refing game, and I'm very much on the, on the low level. <laughs> Under sevens is, is okay for me. Before we get on to the silly stuff, I did want to make a bit of a comment, and Rocky, you alluded to it, about us all wearing black. Body image and the game, because I, I think that's really key to address, and we've discussed it on the podcast... We've got a massive thing in our club, and I know it's across the board, about women's fit kit. Obviously, I don't want to go into the politics of the models with the Irish kit and all of that, because I think that's, you know, been and gone and we've moved on. But especially you guys both props. I'm prop 8, 10, if I feel like it. When I was younger, it was massively, oh, you've got big boobs, you've got big hips, you're bigger than the other girls. And I tried to play other sports, so hockey, netball, athletics, all of that, rounders at school, and I never fit the the mould and then when I went and played rugby down at my local club on my brother's team I just asked my dad I was like okay can I play rugby and he's like yeah sure mom that's fine joined in and I never went back but I had to leave and go to a girls team and the quality was quite frankly not great and I would much prefer to be in the boys game but body image in the game now like Catherine what's your experience been of that journey a lot of men's shirts yeah. Definitely a lot of men's shirts. And the tits don't fit in the shirts, do um, they? Well, to be honest, ours were more like, yeah, they were huge. Yeah. Like, and like that, you do get ones where, and even at Gloucester, they're still chopping and changing to see what works for us the best. Um, so like sometimes, yeah, they might be quite slim fit in the body and then up top, it might actually be baggier. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like men, they're 
broader up top, smaller down low. Like um, the one for me that I find is shorts. Oh yeah. Because if you've got thick thighs, my God. <laughs> you well, know, thick thighs score tries apparently. They do, but yeah. they also give you chase <laughs> I don't know if any of you know what uh, I'm not a spo- or I'm not sponsored by them but anti-chia cream oh unbelievable um, being able to and, and no one wants a giant crotch area we don't want that no we don't have that so we'd want them to fit nice the Halbro kit because I'm doing bastard for them they actually are quite nice um, they're actually our sponsors of the podcast so good good plug oh yeah it? thank you it's <laughs> like a new um, so like I, I did a, a bit of kit stuff for them, but obviously we have to be quite wary that you know we're still Gloucesters with their kit and Irish stuff, so you have to be quite careful with you know who you're um, putting your brand out. But their stuff was you could tell they've thought about it, like yeah. as in the fit, which I thought was really great for me. Like at the moment, when I was younger, definitely I would have thought about that fit. Um, as in like I preferred a baggier jersey um, like you know but now I like a tight jersey because it's more of a technical thing that they can't grip me on a bind so I don't think of it from a body conscious point of view now I think of it from more of um, a playing point of view yeah whereas before a 100% would have thought of it like you know how it looked on me I definitely did but it has my mind has changed slightly to kind of what gives me a like edge when I'm playing now more so but um, you want kit that actually yeah fits Um, and like there's nothing worse than wearing a jersey that's like a tent and someone can grab it that is the worst in the world it's probably happened to all of you guys and like it does your head in like so I do get it it's yeah it's not nice but um, hopefully kit brands are now getting onto it more but there are some out there that are good but it's just the rest need to crack on now and kind of follow suit really we're in a sponsorship deal for our club and they don't the provider don't actually do women's fit kit um, so we've obviously said, well, we're going out to tender next year and um, we will be you know, making sure that we've got this women's fit kit. And I do think people are trying to get women's fit kit. And I don't know about you, Gem, in terms of photos and pictures when you play in. Like a lot of our girls that I know about will just have a photo taken and they'll be like, oh my God, you know, I look really fat there or oh, my yeah. face doesn't look quite right. All oh, the, the shorts are kind of riding up, etc. What's your experience? Do you do you care or are you just like, yeah, I'm in the game and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it? Yeah, so those of you that have followed me for a little while know I've been on like a big fitness journey and I've gained weight, lost weight. Like I'm severely body dysmorphic, like so chronically severely. And I work on bettering myself with that every single day. But some days, as anyone who has anything like that knows you see that wrong picture at that wrong angle and your brain and your heart just goes and I think that's where again having kit that feels good on you and whether that's a baggy shirt whether that's an ultra medium skin tight spray on shirt whatever it is um it's got to feel good on you and that's where I'm very lucky that my my team's got an incredible kit I'm very happy with what we've got but yeah it's something I am I don't think of it when I'm playing, but I look through the photos afterwards and I'm just, sometimes I'm just like, oh God. Um, but for me, shorts, I'm very long femured. So the long, this top part of my leg is really, really long and it does not ma- seem to matter what width I go up in our shorts. The length does not get longer. <laughs> so I've just, I'm very at peace with that now. And I've just decided it's 
it's the will of the lo- of the world, and if people see things, they see things. Um, yeah, and there's always but, an arse cheek out on the prem. Like it's always a bit of a joke, you know, in an England game, and you see a bit of a cheek, and you've got your oddballs underwear yeah. or whatever. So I think it is a bit of banter. So, I yeah. would like to add, I do wear like oddballs boxes, so you're not actually going to see anything controversial. But just a nice yeah. pattern. Just, just you know, like jazzy bit of print but no it, it it's shorts are hilarious for me I just I'm at kind of at a humorous point with that now but yeah it's something I do really struggle with and so I try to think about my language when I'm talking with the other girls as well about photos so when we have photos taken at a game which I think all of us at grassroots it's a real privilege to have photos thank your photographers but even if it's a photo I don't love of myself, I'll be like, oh, mate, you look so strong there. Oh, that's yeah. a great carry. That led to a try. That led to a line out. Trying to focus as well on other things, not just what's literally in the photo. Give some context. Yes, I do look like I have three chins in that photo, but I absolutely just heave that scrum out of the way. So you know what? I'm at peace with it. And that context really helps my brain. Yeah, I love that. And it's about being strong and positive and being a role model for other people as well and being like, my body looks like this in a game, but I can also look like this in a dress or a suit or a waistcoat, etc. So I think it's really good. And obviously, Rocky, prop. Did you always play prop? Yes. You've never been any I, other position? So I started off at Beaconsfield, did two training sessions. Uh, so it was under 16s. And I was a big girl then. Very big girl. And uh, they said, yeah, just go over there, bend and push. I was like, sweet. And then I found, uh, I found my love for scrummaging um, from then. But the, the funny thing was I had no idea how to tackle. And you obviously cannot do this, this nowadays. But um, <laughs> yeah, my um, coach at the time, he was a 60-year-old guy. And I was like, how do you tackle? He went, chase me and grab my legs. I was like, okay. So I was running around after this six-year-old. I was 15, grabbing his legs. It was kind of odd, but, you know, it taught me to tackle. So... So yeah. is that the coaching etiquette we'd expect, you know, for the new tackle or yeah, just, just chase just a 60 year old round yeah, the field? Yeah, perfect, yeah. So with prop, and I, I definitely have been in this position when I was younger, nobody wanted to be a prop because back in the day they'd be like, oh, they're just very large ladies, very large men, they can't run. Like, how's it changed? You get some, some props that are really old school and just really focus on scrums and lineouts. And then you get your new props who are amazing around the park and a pony at the scrums. And then you get these, like, hybrid props who are great at scrummaging and, and great around the park. And Sarah Byrne was somebody who was fantastic around the park and she's got really good at scrummaging now and, and she's had to really work on her craft. Yeah, it's been... Uh, been a great journey to see props evolve because it used to be like you said nobody wanted to be prop I always loved it because I didn't know any difference and when I played eight I was like no get me out of here I'm too exposed (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it Um, and I was just panicking I was doing the whole meerkat when I used to absolutely tell off my uh, my back row when they're all meerkatting and I was doing it because I didn't want to get gassed to miss my tackle so uh, I kind of understand it a little bit but still you gotta gotta push first that's the important job and I've had a um, couple of experiences. So as a, as a bigger girl, I was um, at my peak. I absolutely love beer, absolutely love food, and I love the top of the scales as well. I was 110 kg and uh, uh, sort of five foot seven. I was a bit of a bowling ball. But it was absolutely brilliant to play rugby, you know. I was first pick. Funny that, because I was last pick in netball and you know, <laughs> everything else. But hey-ho. Um, so I, yeah, I found my calling. But at that time, the shirt, my goodness, my belly used to be out all the time. And there was one thing that still traumatises me now. I, um, I remember 
my partner played for Worcester and I, and I saw some of the, the photos that the photographer had taken in the game that I played against her. And then on one shot, there's me making a line break, but like my gut's hanging out. And then he's just put underneath, Belly's going to get you. And I was like, oh, oh man, that's horrible. Well, they wouldn't get away with that now, but I no. think, you know, like you said, strong, positive, your body made you that player and, and you got to where you wanted to be so I think it's just yeah, a celebrating now it's like you know when I love it when you go in the gym and and there's guys lifting dumbbells and then I just come and pick two or three heavier than them and they're like completely emasculated I'm like <laughs> you're that. welcome <laughs> yeah that. um but yeah it's uh it's incredible Perfect. to see where it's progressed so strong confident positive embracing our size no matter whether you're a winger prop scrum off or someone that's a number eight that's got to try and play fly off today so yeah we'll see how that goes so my mates on the pod have kindly called me fandy yeah so yeah fandy have you already prepped her okay so oh lucy did okay so basically i used to be a big girl when i was younger obviously not much smaller now but i'm a lot fitter and stronger twat um, and i've been roped in to playing 10 because in true grassroots style all the backs have flaked today and we've got 13 forwards uh, no no on the nomads on the nomads we've got two backs out of 13 and we've got 11 forwards so i said if you need i'll play in the backs goose was like you can play 10 on the condition you wear your fingerless gloves and we can call you fandy so Andy Good, Fat yeah. Andy, that's my nickname. So that's really nice and it's really doing loads of my body confidence, so thanks. Um, we just wanted to talk a bit about roommates. And I'm going to come to you, Fiona, because obviously you go away to these games. Do you get buddied up with another ref in a room or do you get to be on your own? Generally, we, we get treated to a room on our own. Oh, OK. So last night I had quite an incident. Batty kindly, chassis Batty over there, Matthew, kindly gave me a tent. I'm not an avid camper. And uh, Chez says, Sherry, over there, give us a wave, decided to bring a single airbed that I can only describe as a double. Massive. <laughs> also this thick and proceeds to try and fit that in what was a three-man tent is actually a one-man tent her poor roommate maggie had no tent sleeping because her mattress couldn't fit next to sherry's so sherry decided she'd sleep in my porch this was not waterproof and in the middle of the night the mattress deflated so me and matt decided we'd had enough and after she pumped the mattress up at 5am singing Elvis, we moved said mattress and put it into the back pitch of the Avonmouth uh, Rugby Club. So what I wanted to know is, has anyone had a terrible roommate or somebody that had a few quirks that potentially they could share? Okay, I'll give you my, be my best and worst. So all of you will know Maggie Alfonsi. Yeah, legend. Absolute worst roommate. Never ever share with her. She's up at... 5am doing press-ups, doing her hair, brushing her teeth, not fl you. flicking the lights on. <laughs> I saw her doing press-ups when I well, rocked up actually, yeah, very impressed. I don't want your, sh your flannel though, keep your flannel. <laughs> oh brilliant, lovely, can't wait to see it. Um, <laughs> So Maggie was the absolute worst. Like I, I'm uh, a n night out, late to bed, late to get up, panic. Five minutes before you have to be in breakfast. Alarm goes off, throw your clothes on, run down the corridor, breath like dog, and uh, see all your teammates. Um, yeah, Maggie was bed at half past eight and then up at five. Horrific roommate. But the best roommate you've already mentioned her was Kerry Large, 52 caps for England, absolute legend. And I think I shared the room with her 50 odd times and. 
amount of times that we've um, had a end of end of campaign night out beers out and stuff and you know the next morning feel a bit ropey so I've gone in there to uh, maybe feel a bit ropey next thing I know uh, so I'm over the uh, over the toilet and uh, she kicks the door in and she comes in and yaks in the bath I was like oh mate yeah so yeah that was uh, that was another level and and we used to do ice baths and stuff and uh, and then she'd just climb in my bath when you did it in your room and stuff like that but I was like mate you've got to wear pants um, <laughs> so yeah it's quite an interesting roommate so I actually met my best mate ever on my second ever rugby training session you know when you meet someone you're like there is a compatible level of stupid yeah like you look in the eyes and you're like there is compatible and we've had like many experiences but I think one of the best ones was I was staying with her for a New Year's Eve and she was dancing and you could see just the lights went out. Mm-hmm. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, so she, and she was mid-dance. So I caught her under the armpits and took her out of this pub and went like, I was like, mate, we're going to have to get you home. I'd like to note for like reference here, I was dressed as Superwoman because it was New Year's <laughs> Eve. She was in another costume. I think she was an octopus or something. <laughs> and the legs had just gone. So I was like, well, you can't walk and I can't carry you under your armpits. So I just put her over my shoulder and like a fireman's lift. I'm walking through the middle of Exmouth and my expression is just like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> With my passed out best mate over my shoulder, he's going, oh, I'm fine. Was not in fact fine. There's a picture of me on one of the local community pages dressed as Superwoman in stilettos <laughs> with my best mate over my shoulder entitled... Not all heroes wear capes, but some literally do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's still one of my greatest moments, but we we woke up, I I managed to eventually like wrestle her into a taxi because why is drunk strength such a thing? Yeah. Yeah. She's sticking to the outside like an octopus. I'm like, stop it, you're going home. And I woke up the next morning, why did you send me home? I was fine. You're not fine. You're a celeb in the local press. For all of the reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we've had many experiences. That was just a particular highlight. But I've woken up many times to her just on the occasion where you have to share a bed. She is five foot four, tiny starfish. I'll be five foot nine on the end of the bed. Like, yeah, I think they, they, they give you your own bed in England and Ireland camp, right? You don't have to share. Um, oh, get your own bed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just check in, you know. You uh, don't yeah. you have to slum in a single room, with two roomy. props. Yeah, no, no. You had to room with people, but uh, get your own bed. But when I played with Monster, there was three of us. We shared a room at one stage. And one of them, um, I was uh, with Laura Guest. And at the time, it was my first time in Monster Camp. And when I say Laura Guest is intimidating, I, meant, I mean, like, she was studying and I was just on my bed going... <laughs> <laughs> And just don't make eye contact, just just look straight ahead. But like, it's just, you know, it was someone that has been capped numerous times for Ireland. Just, you know, she's a face hard as nails, like she's lovely. But I was just at the time going, oh my God. But I've been quite lucky then. This year I've been um, rooming with Neve Jones, like who I live with as well at Gloucester. So that, that was good crack because literally, yeah, you're on your bed. I'm on my bed. I have my thing on. We don't have to talk or anything like that you know you just go up to your room there's no small talk we don't have to you know because we're so used to living with each other so that was great like but to be honest I can't really think of anything apart from Alvin Street where I used to live um Georgie will know Alvin Street yeah um so that house was a bit wild um with a lot of the Harper girls but hockey sticks and roofs heads through picture frames girls in uh in you know the big drink buckets like naked you know stuff like that you know the norm like the normal yeah, stuff yeah normal like, yeah. in Sherry's life but if you ever yeah. want to hire Sherry for a night as a roomie like I'll hire 
Oh, we have a porch, actually. Yeah, yeah, we have one. So. You can sleep in Catherine's porch. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I want to just talk a bit about our podcast and what we obviously talk about. One of the categories is stupid refs. So I'll go to Catherine first and then come to Fiona. We have a stupid ref category. You don't have to name names yeah. unless it was Fiona and then please share. Um, <laughs> but is there any kind of stupid ref stories? They can be funny, they can be frustrating. Can you recall or have a think? And I'm sure Fiona's got one lined up she can share with the group. Oh, stupid ref stories. Um, <laughs> I would never say, I would never speak badly of you. Uh, no, there was one ref, you'll know who it is probably when I say it. So we played our um, at Twickenham for the final of the Bucks. And literally there is, oh, he was fucking useless. Sorry for swearing, but he was awful. And uh, what happened was literally we scrummed them over didn't give anything he was just not giving us a thing so we I got my own back anyway so basically we had a review with all the Gloucestershire refs or whatever and I brought this clip in and all the refs in the room started pissing as I was laughing they were like how was that not a penalty and we were like you tell us because we lost bloody game so but they were like so that was literally my little kind of uh my thing back that they all saw how bad he was and yet merciful god how did he get away with that so, but in terms of anything bad happening, I can't think of anyone getting a ball to the face. Um, so, yeah, nothing like that. Nothing. Well, I hope he got a lot of stick for the poor decision. Oh, he did. Yeah, honestly, because he was under that. He was. He just wasn't there that night. So oh, he was just torn apart. Yeah. Then, yeah. Hopefully, anyway. But yeah, <laughs> uh, he's not, he doesn't really like um, like us in Harper, but that's fine. You know. <laughs> Perfect. So Fiona. Give us a stupid ref story. If it's an original one, we don't know. That would be great. Okay. Well, I get I get new ones every season. That's the great Please news share. about it. So I had one halfway through Buggy's story, and then I I was too interested in Buggy's story enough. <laughs> Go with Gemma first, and I'll re remember it. Okay. So we were playing a good level team in our league the other season, and we were just about to go into a scrum, and this referee turned around to us and said. The first team are going to be very upset. You're churning up our pit, their pitch, aren't they? And I went, I turned around. I just didn't even think about it. I went, we are the first team. And the opposition looked and we went, we're the first team of our club too. We also play in a higher league than our men's team. And the moment of silence, it was the loudest silence I've ever heard on a rugby pitch. And you could see the cogs whirring. He was like, you could see him just going to go, shit, how do I get out of this? He went, oh, you know what I mean? The men's team was like, yeah, we play at a higher league. The opposition went, yeah, we play at a higher league. And it was just one of the most satisfying silences. And I was just like, moving swiftly onwards. <laughs> the fun one, though, was um, I got pinged for coming in a, a ruck at the side last season. And you can see it on the VO as well. I actually got pulled in by my ankle by someone on the floor. <laughs> now, this ankle's metal, so I wear a very bright blue ankle support on it. And what happened was I went to go round the ruck to the other side to defend. She grabs my ankle and I look like a tranquilised giraffe. <laughs> and, and he went, you came in at the side. I was like... So respectfully, my ankle did. <laughs> I, I, it was a lovely referee who is fantastic with our team. We had this uh, shout out to Graham, who is a Cully Ladies classic ref. But yeah, you can see on the VO as I go around, it's like whoop, mid. So that was just a funny one. But yeah. and if you want to send the clip into the Instagram, that'd be great. I will we'll share find it because it, yeah, it looks like you know when they tranquilise giraffes and they just fly. I've never seen a tranquilised giraffe, but we will see one on the clip. So that'd be great. Or like a like a windsock at the airport. Okay, I look forward to it. I've remembered. You remembered. So, again, I won't use names, but if you search around, I'm sure you could find out who <laughs> I, I love mean. These. <laughs> um, 
I I got appointed to do a semi-final of the Combination Cup in Gloucestershire. Um, and uh, it's a men's competition. It happens on a weekday night. Um, and they tend to be, particularly in Gloucester, it's one club against a different club three miles down the road. So you can imagine the kind of tension that's around mm-hmm. these semi-finals. And the finals are played at King's Home. So everyone wants through to the final. And uh, and I went, oh, Christ, I should. you have to appoint your own assistant referees. So I was like, first phone call, Dad. You're going to be my one of my assistant referees. My second phone call was to a referee who will be out in France. Okay, interesting. Now, the touchlines are packed at these. So you've got hundreds and hundreds of people um, about a metre or less away from each touchline. Um, and so you can hear the crowd um, and they're not particularly respectful. So I was getting quite a lot, but clearly not as much as this yes. referee. So at half time, blow for half time, and coming across the pitch towards me was my assistant referee and a very, very, very angry looking man who seemed to be heading straight towards me. And I was thinking, oh, Christ, I'm about to get a serious case of referee abuse here. So I just turned around and walked away. Now, I found out a little bit later that what happened was that he'd been giving me stick and my assistant referee had turned around and just gone, why don't you? And I apologize kids in the room warning why don't you fuck off now his selection for the world cup hadn't yet been announced and so i was like mate you do realize that probably if world rugby find out that you've told a spectator to fuck off this might be a bit of a problem because this guy had come on and gone right i'm i'm going to complain to the referee and he'd gone go on then (laughs) and he went well well i'm 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 going to complain i'm going to complain to the referee society and he went go on then Thankfully, he didn't. We managed to smooth it over in the bar. But it was the moment of pure panic as this very angry man came towards me. Um, And then the secondary panic where I was like, I don't think you'll make the World Cup if this complaint gets out into the local press. Did you think you were in at that point? Do you think maybe if he's not going, I'll go? (laughs) You're like, please, carry on. Swear a bit more, mate. Swear a bit more. No, you're right, Malt. The only reason I'm not at the World Cup is that I was, you know, one off. Just missed it. Just, just just missed it. He just a bit more of a twat and then he would have taken it. (laughs) I love it. That's it. Shower etiquette. I've already briefed you guys that this discussion would come up. So, Rocky. We're going to talk about the podcast Shower Etiquette and obviously you've mentioned the flannel so I appreciate that for Sherry's reference. Sherry has a very interesting shower etiquette where she tends to wash everywhere but in particular focuses the flannel on you know the lady parts. We have a bit of a debate in our kind of podcast of whether people shower naked or don't shower naked and I wondered if anyone had any special uh, sponges, flannels... Do they get naked in England camp or do they like to keep the clothes on? Like, we, Do they shower in full kit like some of our 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds on our team? Like, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? It can be saris if you want because no one likes them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky I've left her. Um, it's, uh, yeah, a real combination. Like, I'll, I'll tell you my first horrific shower story <laughs> again. So this first time I was 16 years old playing for a, a women's team and back in the day you could play for women's at that age and everyone was just getting naked I was like oh do I have to do this oh I look weird if I don't okay so I'm there like go down to the showers in my town and I'm like oh okay get in the shower quickly under 
Britain all shampooing my hair and everything, and then I'm like, you know, so much. I think they were doing the old trick, putting it on top of your head. <laughs> so I'm 16, like, oh, this is awful. And then I hear men's voices, and I was like, what the hell? And now I'm in a joint shower with the men and the women. I've got shampoo on my hair. I'm staring straight on, eye on with an eye. And um, it, I just ran out of there with, like, hair, shampoo for hair. It was traumatic as hell. So How did you recover? Um, well, did you shower I again? <laughs> I still got the shampoo in. Um, and then, it, like, it was just the norm that you were naked, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whenever it was. And then as I've grown older and I've always been a naked shower from that age. And then, and then uh, at England, you go in and you think you're with a volleyball team because they're all in their shorts and bras. And you're like, well, this is weird. I look weird now because there's, like, three old girls and then the rest of the volleyball team. So, um yeah, I guess that's the weird, weird thing. Generally, I'm one of those people that, oh, I've got my shower stuff, can I borrow yours? So I'm, I'm that kind of person, so there's no chance of me having a flannel. Yeah, okay, um, well, yeah. we, we have got some flannels. Um, however, you do sound a bit like Sarah, one of the crew and which girls, who's basically packed fuck all to come camping. Yeah. She had no toothbrush, no pants. Uh, what else did you forget? Deodorant, hairbrush, towel, what else? She hasn't got a coat. Basically, she brought nothing and then lost the the tent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, well, you've got your booze. Well done. Good work. Me and you are going to be friends. (laughs) And also, one of my... um, So, what's her name? Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like Sarah. So, I still turn up to training with my bag of boots rather than, like, you know, a boot bag. I've got my Tesco carrier bag. So, So, there was one guy who felt really sorry for me and got brought me a boot bag and had Tesco's printer on the side of it. So oh, I love that. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. And Catherine, yeah. before we go out to the floor for questions, is that good for timing? Um, I can't promise what the questions will be, so get your answer in now yeah. and I'll go to someone else for the next one. But shower etiquette, have you ever been in a communal bath? Because that was a stress for me as an 18-year-old. Chester Rugby Club, all these women get in from Northwich Rugby Club, they all jump in this bath fully naked and I'm there in my bra, my pants literally like this. Oh my God, please tell me there's a private cubicle because I just couldn't get in. No, we, to be honest, in our rugby clubs back home, we didn't have baths. Like it was just showers, that's it. And it, it just depended on the day. Is it going to be a hot one or is it going to be a cold one? And if you played after the men's, so it's like... It's cold. <laughs> yeah, there was some like, this is the thing, some clubs you go to and you'd be coming home and you'd be humming on the bus because it'd be so cold we just went ah screw it we've an hour and a half we won't smell it after a few drinks it'll be fine so you just hop on the bus and you'll be gone uh inside in glass we have a mix we have a mixture like that we have some that are in the swimmers some that aren't like so and it always seems to be Neve Jones that's the delegated shampoo and uh she always brings everything she brings I just go before I leave the house I'm like do you have your wash bag? Yeah, grand. And I'm gone. <laughs> so as long as she has hers, I know I'm sorted. Like, so it's fine. But yeah, nothing, nothing out of the norm, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's yeah, pretty boring. It was whether it was a hot shower, a cold shower, and that decided whether you showered, really, like when we were coming back from games. Yeah, and I think the real range in grassroots, you've got the wet wipe, where they just literally do the pits and bits. And then you've also got the people that go full Barbie, you know, straighten, makeup on, everything. And they're always last out. So the people that got to brush the change room have to wait for about three hours. Do you used to be lucky to have a plug socket in some of those places? Like, yeah, so absolutely. And grassroots facilities, hopefully, will continue to get better. But if they've got water and maybe a little square mirror, we're on to a winner. So we're going to open the 
um, floor up for questions. So if you have got any questions, please put your hand up and then we'll go and ask the relevant panel people. Yep, Jodie? As Molly alluded to earlier, in true grassroots style, uh, we've had a few dropouts. So a complete unrelated question, what boot size are you? <laughs> I love that. Uh, I am a size six. Um, can, depending on the trainer, fit into 5.5, but yeah, boots, definitely a six. Nice. Um, I'm a size eight. Yes. I have, I have absolute trotters on me. But most front row ha have... Uh, you can call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my trainers. Uh, uh, most front row, in, in general, okay, 90% of front row have size eight, eight to nine feet and are between five foot five and five foot nine. So, you know, are I you do Are you going to tell us what size feet you are? Oh, I've sorry, seen I'm sorry, I'm a boring, sorry. I've seen you've been playing for Leicester. So we have oh. got a, you know, pair, spare pair of boots. Yeah, well, it won't be the last time you see me play rugby for sure. <laughs> so you might have to get a plastic bag for her leg though. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a, a, a seven and what, like a 14 or something? So <laughs> Might I'm be quite probably difficult to get a pair of boots. Yeah, you? yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you don't want me playing for you. You've seen me try and convert yeah, a goal. Shit. Yeah. 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 Terrible. There's a reason I'm a ref. <laughs> um, any more questions? Right, I've planted some questions, so can we... Go on then, Shez. Hi, Rocky. This question's mainly for you. Um, like you've just touched on, you said, you know, a few years ago... It was a thing that if you were asked to play prop, people thought it was probably because of your size and that you were lazy and it was all you were good to do. Obviously, that's not a thing now. Um, my daughter, Regan, is 17, nearly 18. She's in the Sail Sharks Academy. She plays mostly number 12 and number 8. And they've actually said to her, if you play prop, you will probably prop for England because she's a really good player. She's really strong. But she, like a lot of other people, thinks that she has been asked to play prop because she's lazy and it's the only thing she's fit for. Obviously, that's not the truth. She's being chosen for a positive reason because she's a good player, because she's strong, not a negative reason. What would you advise that we can say to her to make her believe that being asked to play prop is a good thing, not a bad thing? Well, first of all, I'll get some clips of Sarah Byrne, Hannah Bottom and just show you uh, show her how skillful props can be and how they can to be like Sarah Byrne and, and uh, Botts are the rock stars of the England team and you, you just look at the men's team as well uh, Genji is one of the main ball carriers um, in Sinclair like those uh, those are the boys that are, are hitting the headlines and, and the same in the women's game without you know, front foot carrying props that you're not going to get some momentum and go forward as, as easily and we um, we do a stat, or oh, sorry, used to do a stat at England. I'm sure they still do. But how many front five touches there are? So front row and second row, and and there was a huge correlation between um, winning games and front five carries. So l allowing you to get the Sarah Byrne bowling ball uh, to, to to take it up, um, you know, get double tackled, suck in some players, then you get the Marley on the next carry to get you over the gain line even more, and then it goes out to the back. So it's really simple but I definitely get footage get a following the, the Instagram accounts traditionally I guess back in the day like people who uh, who were overweight that would be their position and the obviously the beauty of um, of rugby is there's a position for everybody but um, I'd certainly 
yeah, get maybe if she can meet some of the, the, the superstar females as well, they can talk to her about front rowing because uh, certainly, like, I've never looked back and I'd never, I wouldn't choose to play another position. Um, and I'm sure if you asked the, the other Red Roses front row, they'd, they'd tell you the same. But um, I, I reckon she'll love it once she gets her head into it and screws some people over in the scrum. Yeah. But if you get a if you get a prop that's really good at scrummaging and can carry like an eight, then you're onto an absolute winner. Then yeah, because you've got like an extra back row on the field. Exactly, and I think yeah. Catherine, you were going to add to that. Um, so I actually, when I first came over, I played with Bristol for the first year I was here. So that's about eight years ago, and and like that, Sarah Byrne was there. She was actually at number eight. So this is the thing. England said the exact same thing. They said, if you move, you will be playing for England you yeah and that was the thing with Bernard she was reluctant as well however it suited her better like in terms of her skill set her skill set wasn't a line out like going up like she could do it but it you know she was so powerful in that carry and so powerful like when she got taught how to scrum like she still you know we're always still learning anyway no matter what age you are but she was the exact same but it happens a lot at that age group so like Zoe for example Zoe Alcroft she used to be on the wing she's now in second row so it it, this is the thing that that age positions constantly change um when you're 18 when you're coming into senior because they see something different that they think you can attribute that somewhere else so that's why you know it's not it's never got to do with anything of um you know weight or anything or like that yeah but I would say Burner is your best example. Yeah. Yeah. But like that, Sarah hasn't changed in size. She, she was, but I'll tell you one thing. My first session when I went there and she's just turned 18, I knew who she was anyway. We did a tackling drill. And when I say I thought a train had gone through me when she hit me, <laughs> I was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, fine. I'm grand. <laughs> Honestly, it took me about like 30 seconds to get my breath back. And like she was you know just hit like a train but there wasn't she didn't look like that you know she was in a good physique but she didn't look like she was going to absolutely nail me so like you know I wouldn't I I would make her look at Bernard and and explain that story to her of her because she's the prime example of having that little bit of reluctancy but then actually she's grown into it and loves it now it made her the player she is, didn't yeah. it? Like, you know, she wouldn't have got to play for England probably half as much if she'd have stayed in the eight position. She, she, she wouldn't have. Played she played no, she wouldn't have, yeah, you know, because you've got all those people that are ahead. And I think Harriet Miller-Mills, um, she actually played for um, the club I played for when I was younger. We played centre together. She's obviously now in the forwards. She got uh, <laughs> I know, I was 13 and she was 12. So, yeah, it was, it was a tricky time. I never got much ball but in hand. But just to add on to what... Rocky and Catherine were expertly saying we've now got more and more shining examples than ever of props defying every characteristic ever and I think actually what we've also got is props at every end of the spectrum yeah and that's the beauty as well we've got you know we've got the internet we've got TikTok we can show and access these props breaking the mold more than ever and I think you know whilst I'm not a front row by trade anymore I'll always be the prop life because internally that's what I want to be but it's so exciting that we've got these incredible props coming through who are just you can't put them in a box they're not just short fat people they are just everything 
And that's so exciting. They're masculine, they're feminine, they're tall, they're short, they're everything. They're so powerful and strong. And she's being moved to a position because she's she's got strength so i'd also recommend showing her some of the like strong women and like competitive strength female athletes as well because they are i'm becoming some of my role models um and they're sensational as well perfect yes hi all you first and foremost rugby players but also women with jobs and normal lives with these increasingly growing platforms both on social media and also within mainstream media What's it like being a role model? And also, do you find that you're open to a lot more scrutiny these days? For me, I still forget anyone watches my videos. I still fully forget. And I can't tell you the joy I get when, like, a girl comes up. I'm going to get emotional. But I have been through hell and back with this game at times. And when a girl comes up to me or when I get a message saying, I picked up a ball because of you, or I came back to the game because of you, like... That makes every single piece of hate that I ever get, and I do, I get some very angry men in the comment section, but that makes it worth it every single time, a thousand times over, and I would do it a thousand times over again. I would receive that abuse a thousand times over again because of those messages, those girls, and like I said, and then I get to hang out with people like, Rocky was one of the first people I ever became aware of in rugby. When I came to rugby at 19 years old, having never touched a rugby ball, no one in my family played rugby. And then she just won a World Cup. And now I'm sat on a panel with her <laughs> and these amazing, like, you're like, Catherine, we've got, like, for me, it fully blows my mind. And I feel such a privilege at being able to be a voice for the people as well who maybe are not going to be playing for England, but are just doing their best, showing up each week at their club and are just making the world a little bit brighter or trying to make the world a little bit brighter and do their best, particularly for the women's game. That's, yeah, for me, that's it. <laughs> just, um, just on that point, I think no matter what level you play at, whether you're captain of your local club, whether you're just someone that, te- you know, spends time at the rugby club, you're a member of the committee, anything like that. Matt and obviously the podcast gang, which is why we're here, as long as celebrating these uh, amazing ladies, but... We speak about lots of different subjects and one of the moments for me is obviously I've been captain of crew in Nantwich um, for a long time and some of the girls that come up to me in the club that be like I want to play like you when I'm older or I've coached under 16 boys and they all now come and watch our games like and they support us and they'll do the scores and all of those things like it's amazing because I remember turning up at the first session that I coached and they were like we're not being fucking coached by you, you haven't got a fucking clue what you're doing and now they come and do the score or the touch. Um, and also we've spoken about mental health and one of the most and again going back to loose heads one of the most amazing things for me is we spoke about mental health who uh, you know on the pod a few of us have mental health issues and we were very open about it and it was a really difficult um, subject to broach I've been diagnosed with OCD since I was 12 and it was really horrendous and, and looking at like Johnny Wilkinson, David Beckham all of that and how it scoped their ability to be good at sport and obviously I'm not up there but a girl actually had listened to the pod and reached out to me on Instagram and said, I've had OCD my whole life and I've never been able to speak to anybody. And she reached out to me and she's actually in counselling now. So irrelevant of it just being about rugby, I think the whole family and the culture is about mental health, support, friendship and, and all of that. And I guess what, what about rugby, apart from just the rugby, is it for you guys that keeps you here and taking part at refing, playing, coaching before we finish? <laughs> 
Yeah, for me, like the, the camaraderie and for me, it's about the release um, and it and it's been my purpose since I was 15 and I'll probably still roll out on a pitch when I'm 65, but in some <laughs> shape or form, as long as I've got, you know, fitted kit, um, which hopefully... Uh, <laughs> and your flannel. Yeah, and my flannel. Yeah. Um, me and Cheryl will go and have a few beers. Um, <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, it's an absolute privilege to see where the game's going and, and to have role models like these guys um, who give so much to the game. And uh, the weird thing is, like, for all what I've achieved in rugby, I'm probably more famous now than I was ever as a player, which is just weird. But equally, the, the rise of TikTok and Instagram and, um, and, and people actually caring about women's rugby and getting it on the map and everything has, has made a huge difference. But to be a role model, I, I did one of the interviews for Looseheads and I suffer with anxiety and um, and that's something that has, you know, played a part all during my rugby career, which I didn't realise till probably five or six years ago. So for me now, it's it's about being honest and sharing and saying like, you know, reach out to people and, and please talk because it's so hard on your own and the, and the special bit about your rugby team there's there's always somebody willing to listen and whether you need to go and knock 10 bells of shit out of each other to get your aggression out or if you need a pint or a coffee or a chat or um whatever or a hug there's always somebody who's gonna give you that and that's why rugby to me is so precious amazing yeah um I, rugby is far more um it not only helps i've got anxiety as well um and it, it actually it's i almost need rugby um so you know i'll be in the changing room about to go out onto a pitch on my own sometimes particularly in the grassroots game um and uh, for me every time i do that I get a little bit stronger and it gets a little bit easier for me to get out of my room where I'm safe and go into the middle of a pitch where for 80 minutes I've got to make all of the decisions and, and quite often I'll get them wrong. Um, and then they'll tell me that I've got them wrong. And then I've got to deal with that on the fly. But for me, um, it's, been a, it's a, been a wonderful way for me to deal with that because I know that as long as I can get, as long as I can open the door, get into the middle of the pitch and blow the whistle to start the game, I know I'm fine from there. So rugby has been such an important part of that. Um, it's why I'm so pleased that I've done this off season rather than, you know, missing six to eight weeks of rugby. Um, you know, at least I'm only missing a, a little bit of pre-season and then potentially a tiny bit of the season um, because I need that. It's why I do three games a week because it's really massively helpful for my mental health. And I think without rugby, um, I'd be in a much worse position. It is, it is not only the rugby, it's the people. And, and it's a privilege when I'm able to work with other referees in, in the same boat. And it does feel like a, a team on the day because I did team sports growing up. I never got the opportunity to do rugby, um, but I did team sports growing up and, and it's a wonderful environment and I do miss it sometimes. Um, so I've found that in refereeing, whether I'm on my own in the middle of the pitch, I've still got a refereeing team around me that I, you know, a phone call away. So that's really important to my mental health. I love that. And I think off season, I definitely feel it. It's that kind of like we've lost the systematic training on a Monday, training on a Wednesday, coach on a Tuesday, gym Thursday, Friday, Saturday, play on Sunday. 
And that routine, not having that, can massively impact the mental health. So it's really important that we've got our teams and our WhatsApp groups, even though loads of shit goes in it. Uh, Sherry's been kicked out of ours for a while, but um, it's about that culture. So we're going to wrap up in a minute, but we're just going to hear from um, Gem and Catherine about, obviously, your kind of, what's the draw to rugby and what do you have? Uh, So last year, actually, I I sat down at the end of the season and there was a moment I was I'm going to retire because it just kind of got to I had so many injuries over the years and that and luckily I haven't because Christ the year I've had this year for me has been amazing but the reason the only drive that kept me going there was well two actually was after that Wasps game when we finished was the amount of kids it took me 10 minutes to get to my parents at Harpery it took me 10 minutes with them asking for signatures for, for autographs for photos I was like this is why I do it. I, I like it's what we don't realize the impact we have on those kids. And just by actually interacting, like I try to get out to clubs as much as possible, whether that be senior clubs um, like Cheltenham North or any of the clubs around me, um, Tepri, all the younger underage clubs. But I like to interact with the underage clubs as much as possible because we don't realize the power we have as players and how much actually these kids just thrive off the fact that oh they've come to watch us like they they, I don't think we realise it and seeing it at King's Home was just oh it was phenomenal like it was amazing like just the amount of kids that were lining up didn't get into change room for about 40 minutes after after we'd lift the trophy like it just but it's a part of it that's what builds our game and that's what's going to continue building it but like the other reason I reason number two was just Gloucester is my family like I've been here eight years and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them that was another reason I was like I I wasn't ready to leave my like to leave my family yeah. um so for me that was the other reason I stayed um and luckily I did because yeah I've had it like we've won a prem this year so you know just drop that in again yeah yeah just you know um <laughs> but but for the fact that it's been seven years in the making for that you know journey. you know like see where we were we weren't even in prem like we were you know we had to i think we were in champ two or something and then build the way up so yeah just to see how that's come from and be part of that the whole way up has been amazing so i think i it was unfinished business if i'd left i think i would have regretted it like but now that i've done it i just don't want to stop again like so just keep going yeah i i was at a very interesting point this time about a year ago i almost quit like flat out quit rugby I had had a few disagreements and some things going on and I literally went I'm done and I'd been in that position after I broke my ankle I went I'm done and there's that little thing that just made me go I'm not quite done yet but I am I am now at a point where so this season I am intending to be my last playing season me too because happened a lot (laughs) because I want to retire on my own terms I want to be able to go on you know my body is my my back can be described as a loose stack of bricks at this point um but I think that I stay I stay for the culture I stay for the people and I think we're at a point now with women's rugby this sport has grown over 300 percent like we I just feel like not just mine everyone's point in this snowball that is the game you know, we just, whether you're playing, whether you're on the bar, whether you're inspiring some younger people, we've just got to keep the snowball going. Um, I love playing, but I'm conscious that my time there is coming to a close. So I'm now looking at like what's next for my physicality. Refing. 
<laughs> I would be terrible. <laughs> but um, I'm very con- lucky that I have a platform as well, that I'm able to still keep banging the drum no matter whether I'm playing or not. Just always mental health. So many positives. There's so, there's so many more things that I can put into like two minutes. But I just think that my first club... I was taught we all have to do a 1% to make the shirt better. So what's your 1% to make that shirt better for the next girl that picks it up? Is that sharing a Facebook post? Is that bringing a friend to training? Is that making stupid TikToks? Whatever your 1% is, I'm very lucky that my 1% has got a nice reach now. So that's what I encourage everyone to do. What's your 1%? How can you do your 1%? If we all do a 1% with it. Perfect. So we're going to finish off with a bit of a game. Now, I have got a bit of a... Hang on. So, Holly may have challenged somebody to a a downer competition. I'm not going to make you do beer, but after the um, podcast I would this uh, little gathering, we are going to do a downer competition with squash. Now, Rocky, you were named as the person to beat, so I'm not sure how you guys will go, but we will do that after. My game, however, is the word association game. Now, the word association game has to be around rugby. You're not allowed to say anything that's off-piste. It can be around the grassroots game or it can be around International World Cup, Gloucester, etc., etc. So we're going to start with you, Catherine, and we're going to keep going until someone loses. Okay. (coughs) Once you're out, you've got to step off the uh, panel and that's you done. Go for it. Do you know how to play the word association? No, no. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I should have told you the laws. So you're going to, for example, I might say, do you know how to play? Something similar sure. to what yeah, you said. Yeah, so if I said uh, sherry, Louise yeah. would say twat. Like, <laughs> it, it would just kind of go like that. So it's got to be it's word association, okay. but you only get two, three... Se- right, two or three seconds, Yeah. and it's going to go all the way down. Once you stop, it's out. If it's not rugby-related, you're also out, and we'll okay. see who the winner is, okay? Prop. Second row. We're not going through all the positions. <laughs> Prop life. TikTok. Oh. Oh. Let's give a big up for Catherine. She's out. Should I start again or from there? Yeah, so if you just go round in three, you don't need to take part now, thanks. Line out. Throw. Not straight. <laughs> Sin bin. Ten minutes. Paperwork. <laughs> Referee. Whistle. Cards. What was that? Cards. 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 Hmm. Scrums. I'm out. Right, so the professionals are shit in the word association game. Right, you two don't need a mic. Oh, come on, Fiona, get ready. Starting from. No, no, on you. You just start off. Any any word. Rugby. 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 Squeeze ball. Ruck. Mall. Line out. Line out. We have already had one. Right. Do I win by default? No, we're not having this. It'll go to the TMO. Stand by, please, Matthew. TMO? Yeah, win or lose for Fiona. I'm going to say 10 minutes in bed. Uh-huh. Question your life choices, but we'll give it another go. Okay, we'll give it another go. You can't repeat. Oh, You've yeah. got a second life. Can't repeat something that's already been. Clubhouse. Pints. Pasty. Yes. Exeter. Cheesy chips. That's not rugby. And we have a winner. Let's give a round of applause. I never win anything.
just want to say a massive thank you to all our panellists. Um, I also want to say I'm absolutely dreading playing in this shit weather. It might have gone off. Um, but what I did want to say is a massive thank you to everyone that's organised today, everyone that's turned up. I'm not going to go around the room and say thank you because I definitely will forget somebody and that's not cool. But just thanks for listening to me witter on for a, a while. And um, yeah, Matt, have you got a thank you? Yeah, I've got some thank yous for the panellists for coming today. I'm not so. that after, so. Can we, uh, can we have the three cheers for the panellists, please? Is it? Is it? Is it? Thanks so much for listening to this special episode. We really hope that you enjoyed it. If you're interested in hosting a festival, becoming a nomad, or just want to come on the podcast for a chat, please get in touch. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This is Grassroots, women's rugby from the roots up.